Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I join the Prime Minister in congratulating Leicester City on their amazing achievement. I hope it's not an indication he's going to support another football team, or is he going to stick with the stick with the two he's got already? Welcome to episode number six of the Gristle Digest, the weekly podcast that wears a rainbow in front of Putin, an EU flag in front of Farage, and a fully completed tax return in front of David Cameron. <laughs> uh, I'm Rupe Sen, and today is the 9th of May. I'm joined as ever by my good friend Paul Moss. How's it going, Paul? It is uh, it's going none too bad. Literally nothing to complain about. Everything in the world's amazing. That's apart from all the bad stuff. Apart but, from all the news. I'm not yeah. focusing on that. Yeah, that's probably a good thing. <laughs> Um, we're coming to you a day later than normal. Uh, that's uh, owing to, uh, you know, my, well, it's my fault, really. But... Hey, come on, come on. Uh, so, so it's actually a Monday rather than a Sunday. But uh, other than that, we are we are largely the same. Uh, top stories this week. Zach Goldsmith's racist campaign proves to be slightly less ineffective as London elects Muslim mayor. Tory candidate Zach Goldsmith suffered a crushing defeat to Sadiq Khan in the London mayoral elections this week, as London's voters elected its first Labour mayor since Ken Livingstone. Goldsmith was roundly criticised for his campaign tactics, which pitted various communities against each other, playing on stereotypical fears and historical prejudices. He also once said that Khan had given platform, oxygen and cover to extremists, leading to accusations of Islamophobia against the Richmond MP as well. Sadly for Goldsmith, as the final votes were totted up, Khan's total of 1,310,143 votes made him holder of the largest personal political mandate in UK political history, indicating that London's residents were far less concerned as to what this son of Pakistani immigrants did with his oxygen than Goldsmith was. Uh, next story, shares in Fox-related product manufacturers set to skyrocket as Leicester City are crowned FA Premier League champions. Uh, the greatest fairy tale in football history has finally reached its irresistible conclusion, uh, with Leicester City crowned Premier League champions at the King Power Stadium on Saturday. City, who were 5,000 to 1 outsiders at the start of the season and relegation candidates um, the, the season before that, uh, flattened Everton 3 1 to lift the trophy in front of a packed home stadium and thousands of delirious fans, presumably still rubbing their eyes and pinching themselves to check that this wasn't a dream or the cruelest, most well-thought-out sporting prank in history. <laughs> uh, the rejoicing fr- fans at the King Power Stadium even managed to register a mini-earthquake, or a mini-quake, rather, of 0.4 on the Richter scale following the second goal, according to a seismometer installed by Leicester University at the ground. Uh, following the raucous victory party at the King Power Stadium, which included a delightfully emotional Claudio Ranieri and a performance of Ness and Dorma by blind Italian tenor Andrea Bocelli, it emerged that Leicester Royal Infirmary had to treat twice as many people as, as, as usual owing to fights in the city centre, <laughs> uh, including a man who was shot on King Street. Jesus! Uh, proving that in every football fairy tale, there will, still, there will always be room for hooliganism and callous violence <laughs> so um last story uh, loudest ever shout of the word bollocks heard <laughs> after australian scientists claiming to have invented bitcoin 
backtracks when asked to uh, to provide proof. <laughs> um, since its creation some eight years ago, the digital cryptocurrency Bitcoin has fascinated observers both for its technological brilliance and for the shroud of anonymity surrounding its creation. This week, the, that veil of secrecy appeared to have been lifted when Australian computer scientist... <laughs> yes, that is actually a thing, apparently... <laughs> Craig White claimed to be able to prove that he was in fact the man behind Satoshi Nakamoto, the pseudonym of Bitcoin's creator. However, following a rock star unveiling of his identity, stage managed by a prominent PR agency, when Wright was challenged to actually provide his proof, he immediately backtracked with a testicle shatteringly bullshit insincere apology, stating, I know now that I am not strong enough for this. Uh, or indeed clever enough to understand that your bullshit ruse was not going to be found out. This left a watching world itching its chin and scratching its head with incredulity, uh, with most thinking, this guy is more full of shit than that truck of shit that collapsed onto Biff Tannen in Back to the Future 1 and 2. Um, in three, it's more of a it was cart. a cart, yeah, a horse and cart of shit. Exactly. Very different <laughs> things there for avid <laughs> BTF fans. <laughs> Uh, Wright has a checkered legacy of inflating claims about himself. Uh, the doctorates he claims to hold have been questioned, and he was even convicted for contempt of court and sentenced to jail back in 2004 uh, for breaching an undertaking he made to court to refrain from approaching customers uh, from a, of a company he resigned from. However, his 28-month uh, prison sentence was later uh, suspended on condition uh, that he performed 250 hours of community service. Uh, oh, and he also has some shady tax dealings in the past too, oh, what as guy. Uh, yeah, most lying bastards tend to. <laughs> so, those are the stories this week, Paul. Let's start with the big, big local one for me. Um, Sadiq Khan romping home to victory. What do you, what do you think? What do you make of all of this? Well, it's, uh, it's. I don't know too much about Sadiq Khan's policies. I don't live in London. I don't watch the London news. I watch BBC South with uh, interesting stories <laughs> about jumble sales and seagulls. Yeah. Um, the Surrey Panther is back. <laughs> <laughs> it, it never went away. I saw someone describe this as uh, not so much uh, love winning, but hate losing, and I think that's that's quite a nice way of putting it. I think Zach Goldsmith ran a deplorable bullshit uh, kind of campaign um, not so much divide and conquer more just divide and wanker uh, yeah a, a kind of bizarre Machiavellian way of doing things trying to pit, pit people together mm. and you know like so lies and yeah. mistrust and all of that and uh, you know it was largely targeted at the sort of South Asian community Indian community mm. Pakistani community or whatever in, in London uh, playing on sort of uh, prejudices and things like that, which may have, which may exist and pre-exist, I suppose, yeah. in the subcontinent. And uh, you know, I, th- I think for a, for a lot, it's good that it hasn't worked. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's I think it. the it's... important thing. And it's it's and yeah, I think for a lot of people, surely in those communities, it must have been a bit like we have been here before a little bit, you know, like that. <laughs> come on, come on, boss. You know? <laughs> like, Give or take 30, 40, man, come on. <laughs> We've been here, man. You know? And and it's sort of you, you know, you, you can't you can't you can't do that stuff twice, man. No. You, you, can, you <laughs> can try though, which is brilliant. You can try. There was one brilliant thing of Zach Goldsmith I I, I did see and uh, so it's him trying to kind of make up for his horrific racism. Um, and yeah. trying to kind of placate uh, Indian voters or potential yeah. voters. And uh, he was being interviewed, and he was like, "Yeah, no, I really love Bollywood. Love all the Bollywood movies. I'm no, such a fan." Love it. And uh, the 
reporter like totally called him on it. He was like, okay, yeah, brilliant, Zach. What's uh, what's your favourite Bollywood movie? And he was like, oh, uh, uh, all all of them, all the movies. <laughs> what about actors? Chutki Butki, uh, Spatki hair. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah like he was. He clearly has never seen a Bollywood film. Couldn't name a single actor. And they were like, well, what about? An actor who's your favourite actor? And he was like, oh, I, I couldn't name one. I couldn't name one. They were like, well, can you actually name just actor. one? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In, in any sort of type of cinema, not just Bollywood, <laughs> just name an actor. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. He's just like <laughs> such an uber-toff, unbearably bastard, upper-class English. Everything <laughs> he, he, sort of, he did have a <laughs> like fairly guy. good like green track record, you know, in terms of sort of eco-policies and things like that. And I think he won a lot of a lot of people uh, who who are maybe in the centre um, on that basis. That's good. Uh, That's good. He did have good green like, policies. That's good. It's a pretty narrow. It was a pretty narrow. He just had basis terrible brown policies. That's people, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just everything else. <laughs> but it was quite. Um, I mean, goals. Uh, yeah, Sadiq Khan. Um, yeah, fair play to him. He didn't yeah. really have to respond in in that same way. He's, he he's so well game. positioned at the yeah. moment as a result of all of this. Like, because he sort of. Uh, put some distance between himself and mm-hmm. Livingstone following last week's yep. ridiculous <laughs> uh, <laughs> comments by oh, by uh, Crafty Ken. But um, so and and now he's also obviously in terms of votes, votes won by an individual. It's the it's the largest number. Like That's he's got the insane. largest. Do you know what? I most, just haven't you know, heard that said on the telly. I haven't seen. It's, I haven't seen that. But you're you're saying that's the first time I'm. That's I'm hearing this that is statistic. the largest that's... personal political mandate. By a UK politician ever. That that's significant. Um, because like. you know, in 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 the general election, you, you're voting for constituents. Do you yeah, know what that's I mean? it. Like so you're, everyone you're gets a, a small. You don't MPs vote for David Cameron. Like you vote that. for whoever. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and and in the last, so it's it's the, these kind of city mayoral elections that are going to be the ones with uh, the biggest the largest, numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turnouts for one individual and. And this just had a, large, a larger turnout. I think. Wow. I mean, I think I think Zach Goldsmith got about nine hundred thousand or something as well. Cool. But um, that's quite sad. a funny thing I saw today <laughs> <laughs> was a th- there was a blogger actually in London mm-hmm. who um, wrote a letter, like a, a letter which was then published to to Zach Goldsmith. I don't know if you saw it. It was just basically one page just saying ha 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 over and over and over again. Um, he deserves that. He deserves yeah. that. Because yeah, uh, so. he's a bit of a prick. Um, next story, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Leicester City. LCFC. Oh, Jesus. The Premier uh, League. I'm glad they finally did it. A couple more weeks, and I'd have, I think I'd have wanted them to lose. There's only so much you can hear about a football team that's not your own doing well. Yeah. <laughs> God, they're so, yeah, well done. You're so good. Yeah, You're so, good. Uh, You're so happy. I think yeah. as I'm, I'm a Chelsea fan, and obviously despite this season, I often at the start of the season think we've got a chance of winning this. So I can't be that happy that someone else has won it. If I'm no. honest, I know that's not like, but at the same time, it's pretty awesome that Leicester did it. I think it's a great story, isn't it? That's going to be told oh, for, yeah. for literally years and years, unless random teams start winning it every year. Well, this is, <laughs> is this going to be? Is this going to be how if, things are? Like, say like Stoke every win year. it next year, yeah. like, and they just have an epic season. Everyone, it's just not going to get reported on. All oh, right, that's just how it is now. Poor bloody Stoke in that situation. That's all I can say. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it'll be. I'm, I'm. I'm quite interested to see how next season will pan out. Yeah, really. I, I think it's going because this has been a weird season. I mean, just aside from Leicester, none of the big teams have had anything close to consistency. No one's turned up yeah. out of the sort of big four, and also Le- City next year are, are going to have to play Champions mm. League and, well, yeah. and all of this sort of stuff. So no more kind of you um, know 
Wednesday, Thursday, and Tuesday nights for uh, for kind of training or just resting yeah. really on a plane. Like that is a brutal <laughs> schedule. And also Leicester have had like no injuries. No, no, no injuries very, at all. It's been yeah, but, well, no, but, nothing serious anyway. No, but still, I mean, on on Saturday it was it was really good. Scenes. It I was mean, it was awesome. Uh, it was so they had cool. like a victory party mm. at, at their stadium, and yeah. uh, you know you, you can imagine an awful lot of people would have turned out for that. And and they, they had all this sort of like Italian themed sort of celebrating going on, you know, because of Ranieri, <laughs> um, and a lot of Italian people came over uh, pure, purely on that basis. Oh, because wow! Sort of, uh, would we do that if um... like Roy Hodgson? Yeah, Roy <laughs> one. <laughs> Sort of, if uh, Mick McCarthy won La Liga yeah. with yeah, Villarreal exactly. or someone, would uh, <laughs> would we all come over to support Mick McCarthy? Would we? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure I would. I don't think um, I would either. Um, I wonder if Leicester. So Leicester's challenge now, I suppose, is. I mean, will, should, will the players stay? I mean, the good players, the Mares, is it's, the Vardys. You know, they're um, going to have a, a price on them. I think there's a lot of this. They can. Yeah, you know, I mean, if if I'm them, and this is slightly cold but i'd be thinking well i've kind of made my place in history don't i want to just go and get like a big payday now what more yeah. am i gonna do <laughs> like we're incredibly lucky to have, have kind of done this we've had some you know i don't want to put it all down to luck far from it great season from leicester but there has it's been a freakish season it can't be like this every year so no what would you do no. i'd fuck off to barcelona <laughs> <laughs> get a tan yeah get the valleys over there <laughs> Vardy. I'm sure it's, he looks like he, he, looks, he looks like he talks like that. I don't want to just but say it because he's a footballer, but he looks he looks stupid, doesn't he? Yeah. He does I, look I, like I'm, his I'm tongue is I, I'm, I'm glad that Leicester have won, but yeah. I'm, I'm I'm more glad that Ranieri's won. Yeah, like, definitely. Ranieri I love that guy. Such a, love he's that such guy. a don. He's, a, he's yeah. so cool. He's one of just the coolest guys in football. He was he was much loved at Chelsea. He, well, he really was, he was an there. absolute fan favourite. Um, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that uh, the special needs came in and and mm. blew our worlds <laughs> away uh, when he was good, he's rubbish now. Obviously, rubbish. Yeah, poor man management. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fickle, fickle Chelsea. <laughs> fickle, fickle, committed to everything Chelsea. But um, <laughs> but Ranners was loved. And he was much loved. Well, you know, and he's uh, you know hats off to him mm. and hats off to to Leicester. But yeah. Um, final story this week, Paul. Probably my favourite is is this ridiculous <laughs> um, fellow Craig White, who um, f- for a brief moment purported to be the creator of Bitcoin because he was able to say that he had um, I don't know, like some of the original Bitcoins or something, or some some sort of products related to the mm. original Bitcoins codes. And um, when asked to provide that proof, he sort of showed what he had. And people that knew about that stuff were like, nah, it doesn't really prove anything. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then he re- immediately backtracked and, and gave that ridiculous comment. Um, have you heard, do you want me to read out the full statement? Uh, yeah, go for it, go for it. Of what he said when he basically just, you know, folded and, <laughs> and <laughs> conceded that he was full of complete arse. Go for it. Um, so, yeah, this is what, what he said. I believed that I could do this. I believed that I could put the years of anonymity and hiding behind me. But as the events of this week unfolded, I prepared and I prepared to publish the the proof of access to the earliest keys I broke. I do not have the courage. I cannot. Full stop. When the rumours began, my qualifications and character were attacked. When those allegations were proven false, new allegations have already begun. 
I now know that I'm not strong enough for this. I know that this weakness will cause great damage to those that have supported me, particularly to John Matonis and Gavin Anderson. I can only hope that their honour and credibility is not irreparably tainted by my actions. They were not deceived, but I know the world will never believe that now. I can only say I'm sorry and goodbye. Oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> what a complete end of a bell. Yeah, I mean, but at least he's done the right thing by Matonis and Anderson. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, that's what I'm most... I mean, this this Matonis fellow is actually on the board of the Bitcoin Foundation or something. So he's actually... relate. You know, he's he's of a credible yeah, source in some ways. But, but, but it's, it's just... You know, he's obviously party to the scam and they yeah. just figure they can make a load of money out of it, but... Load of non-Bitcoin money, ironically, yeah. <laughs> um, out of it. But um, yeah, this guy is an absolute pillar. I yeah. mean, he, he's sort of just uh, got a, a whole list of things that he's done in his career that just make you think you are just a, a, a shyster, like a, a, <laughs> a, a sort of scientist shyster. And um, you know, and and who's he, who who you who do you think you're trying to fool? Like, who are you trying to impress? Who are you trying to impress? Who's, but it's who's just getting like, laid he, for inventing yeah, the Bitcoin? And, and, and also, where, it's not like people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, that, of course, an, an Australian computer scientist came up with bloody Bitcoin. You know, like, like anyone was going to believe that anyway. Come on, mate. Like, oh, yeah, like all those other Australian inventions that you have in your household. You know, oh, yeah, that Australian, oh, yeah, you know those Australian, that Australian did- software on your computer? You know? <laughs> Like, what the hell? Yeah. I mean, Australian antivirus. <laughs> yeah, I've got like Australian, like you know, digital equipment in my house. <laughs> I was just, just watching like, it on my uh, on my Australian TV. Yeah, like the, just says, my DVD player just says Bazza on the front. <laughs> what did Australians invent hands. other than cork hats? And I, that's just it, a regular it, cork. So. Yeah, I, was I mean, I, you know, let's not let's not denounce just, Australian yeah, the Australian normal. contribution to yeah, what did, what to the sciences too much. But I, I, you know, they're not known. <laughs> for, for doing stuff like this certainly not known for digital currencies that's a given no they are no, not but, known um, for that <laughs> but he is a complete I, just an idiot it's I mean, what a he, random thing to lie about like, yeah but uh, you know it's, he's um he, in 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 australia he's got a sort of pretty pretty shady track record of like setting up companies and sort of you know being a bit dodgy and yeah, oh, tax Jesus. affairs and Having a twenty-eight day prison sentence—I mean, that's quite—that's <laughs> quite a ridiculous thing to have happen. And 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 the fact that it wasn't widely known when he mm. went out and made these sort of ridiculous revelations—you just don't think what on earth was going on over there when when this guy was l- let out on the loose. But what what a dismay! <laughs> what a dismay! And uh, the mystery of the rightful inventor of bitcoins continues. <laughs> Yeah, we 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 still don't know. We still don't know. No. Apparently, I've tried to kind of understand Bitcoin a few times, and I've given up. It starts. <laughs> it's so, it's so complicated. It's so random, and it's a cryptocurrency. I have no. Yeah. I I've never used it. I don't know how no, to use it. I don't. Yeah, it, um, anything remotely involved in like the the deep web or the dark web. Yeah. just scares the shit out of me. I know it's it's I, quite. I'm I've tried to watch sort of programs about it. That's the mm. only way I feel like. I've seen a couple of it. like documentaries and stuff like yeah. that. Like, I think there's one on Netflix. Yeah. I think it's called Deep Web. It's but I feel a like, really good documentary, but I'm still none of Well, well I feel that they sort of, because it's quite complicated, they tend to oversimplify. So yes. they're sort of telling you, like, it's almost like they're, if they're trying to explain a car to you, they're just telling you, they're telling you, it's a box that's moving 
Whereas like that's such yes. a kind of like over <laughs> too simplistic an explanation for what a car is, such that you would have no idea about anything to do with that car. And, and that's what they're doing with the deep dark where they're like, oh, it's yeah. really deep and dark, and then you don't know what's going on in there. You, you <laughs> sort of think, well, right now you're not telling me what's going on though with that. Yeah, because it's literally just like it's a money for your computer. And you're like, well, how? How? <laughs> tell me how and what and all and what i also i like as well is that sort of um people that are uh you know a bit kind of uh what would you call them that the, the, they believe you know they believe that in the imminence of an apocalypse and all of this sort of stuff yeah like, like you're kind of conspiracy conspiracy nut nuts and there's yeah. gonna be like a nuclear war or something like this and the whole world's gonna destroy be destroyed like those guys are all like look you gotta take your money out of you know dollars and put it into yeah. either like gold or bitcoin and you sort of think Bitcoin, mate. You think if there's going to be like, you know, a nuclear holocaust, you think you, you think you're going to get like Wi-Fi? You know what I mean? Like you'll yeah. be walking around. Oh yeah, I've got 4G. I'm just going to access my Bitcoin. <laughs> Come on, mate. Like even even at that point, cash will be pretty yeah. worthless. Like so. Like, and it's like yeah. In, in the environment, it's you essentially you don't want to put all of your eggs in a basket that is effectless if there's a power cut. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't like a power cut could could bring you economically speaking to your knees (laughs) that is a weak position to be in particularly if if you've any concerns about the apocalypse yeah yeah of course and then the inflation would get all out of whack and people would uh, have to use an entire wheelbarrow full of bitcoins just to buy a loaf of bread or just like a wheelbarrow of like mobile phones yeah just (laughs) usb sticks got like different yeah yeah usb sticks (laughs) and sort of data storage stuff (laughs) oh dear bitcoin on this day in history paul today is the 9th of may it is one day after the 8th of may which would have been when we normally did it i've actually gone for events on the 9th of may Oh, I've researched all facts for the 8th of May again. This is why oh, well, it's going to be tough for you. It's going to be. It's going to be, be really tricky. Yotta. But um, if we just um, we'll go, we'll um, we'll go back to last week's facts yeah. first. So that that was the first of May, and if you if you remember, the of course theme I remember. Was, mm-hmm. uh, Zen 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 Buddhist teachers. Yes, and, and animals what they did. With yeah, what they did to animals. Characteristics. Yeah, like animals with very pigeon. yeah specific characteristics. And yeah. um, I'll just remind you of. Go for it. Of what those three facts were. Um, in 1209, Zen teacher Asan of the Rinzai line exorcised a household of an evil pigeon, which, like most pigeons, was known for making sarcastic observations. Bloody pigeons. Bloody pigeons. Fact number two. In 1312, Zen teacher Watana of the Shinzai line exorcised a school of an evil ferret which, like most ferrets, was known for lulling people into a long and sometimes comatose hypnotic sleep. That is a ferret. It's a ferret, all right. Ferrets all over. And finally, fact number three. Uh, In 1394, Zen teacher Ehiko exercised a temple of evil evil badger, which, like most badgers, Mm -hmm. was known for bewitching people. And Paul, if you remember, you went for badger. I did, I went for for badger. And you are absolutely right, it was the badger. Um, now uh, you also you, you you mentioned oh um, did these things actually happen? Yeah. Because well well according to Zen Buddhists they did. Oh, so like, they actually <laughs> happened like so like, in the sense in a religious of, sense, but they didn't. The bewitching characteristics <laughs> of badgers um, 
is is the is the bit that's perhaps. Mm. I mean, you you so I mean, I I sort of feel like it's probably based on some sort of fact. Like there probably was yeah. a temple, like, and there was probably a badger. <laughs> it just <laughs> wouldn't go away, and he kept bewitching people. I don't know how, what how he's bewitching them, but certainly he was there was a badger in the temple. Um, that that I believe. There's a badger in the temple. It sounds like an old scar record. <laughs> there was a badger in a temple. Up down. <laughs> All right, well, uh, fix this week, Paul. Bring them on. Bring them on. Um, This week's theme is um, sort of artists, performance artists Mm -hmm. who who have been killed (laughs) uh, (laughs) during uh, a performance, basically. (laughs) So, uh, uh, fact number one. Uh, in 1891, actor Walsingham Lagarde mm-hmm. died as he was poisoned during the interval of, play, of a play he was starring in at the Garrick Theatre in London. Oh, Fact number two, in 1902, footballer Harold Gandal Goff died as he was beaten by rival fans during the halftime break of a football match he was playing in. Jesus. Or, and in uh, fact, fact number three, final fact... Musician James Reese Europe died as he was stabbed by a band member during the intermission of a show he was playing. So that's uh, actor being stabbed. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, poisoned. Yeah, poisoned uh, in a play. The inter- poisoned in a play. Footballer stabbed beaten. at a footy match. Oh, beaten at a footy match. Stabbed at a uh, intermission of a, mu- of a, mm. well, a gig. Mm. Well, I, I've got to say the the football one sounds the most likely because. Uh, as everybody knows, football fans are mindless fugs. They are boring, uh, awful, awful people. Um, but that was probably uh, it was probably the police who did it, and it's just been covered up <laughs> since then. So, <laughs> um, satire. Yeah, satire. Take that. <laughs> take take that. that. Resign, Mackenzie. Take uh, that, South Yorkshire police. <laughs> um, but I'm actually I'm going to go for um, I'm going to go for the stabbed actor. I think that has a, a ring of uh, very similitude to it. Actor Walsingham Lagarde. Yeah, um, we're going to go with that one. The old okay, stabby Paul actor. chooses actor. Answers next week. Ooh. When the streets of Guildford fall quiet and dark, by the Odeon cinema thou mayst hark. Tis not a bear or an old man named Wilfred. Tis in fact the bearded lady of Guildford. People see me harassing couples on their way home from watching Bad Neighbours 2 Sorority Rising, circumnavigating the Odeon car park and sauntering past the casino nightclub and the New Orleans Grill, and they think that's all I do. It's a lot of what I do, but I also do so much more. This week I sent a strongly worded letter to Andrew Marr regarding his disability. I convinced the Austrian Chancellor to quit. I shaved Boris Johnson's back. And I realised I could survive an entire night living under a bridge. How many bearded ladies do you know that can do all of that? Eh? The Moss Report. Well, this week on the Moss Report, I've managed to scare myself shitless. Um, and being oh a considerate fellow, I thought it'd be the best if I shared my fear around. Tea. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm glad that's the only thing you're scaring. That's it. That's it. Uh, sorry, <laughs> sharing, sharing and scaring. That's what we do. Sharing and scaring. TTIP. Uh, now, it might sound as if it's some uh, mutated strain of PPI, but in reality, it's somehow considerably scarier. Chances are, thanks to that one diehard conspiracy nut mate you've got on Facebook, you've at least seen a couple mm. of memes about TTIP, the Transatlantic Trade Investment Partnership. And though, at a glance, it does look like the typical type of Illuminati overlord, mind-controlling, drugs-in-the-water, chemtrails and Bigfoot bullshit about cloak-and-dagger corporations meeting in secret, standing over a huge Victorian atlas, dividing up the world as they cackle like comic book villains and make merry at the misery they cause to their consumer hordes. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, <laughs> this one's got a little bit of truth to it. Um, and honestly, we should all be filling our pants and fleeing the planet as soon as we possibly can. So, what the bloody hell is TTIP, or TTIP as it's known on the streets? <laughs> and should we be building a giant spaceship to blast off into the eternal black abyss of space and leave this cursed Earth behind? Well, in answer to the second part of the question, maybe. Um, and to the first part, well, TTIP is a proposed trade agreement between Europe and the United States, which offers corporations a virtual state of sovereignty, um, and in essence is designed to allow corporations to bypass any rules or regulations and do whatever the cock they want. Uh, for example... Um, it will allow American corporations the ability to operate in Europe, but not be liable to uphold or comply with EU regulations or laws. Only their own regulations or laws. So with regards to things like, um, like health and safety, or just basic working conditions, where the rules are much stricter in Europe than they are in America, an American organisation would be able to disregard the stricter European rules and follow the laxer, more morally ambiguous American ones. But... This is a far bigger and more worrying problem than just a potential slip in our proud European health and safety standards. Um, it means that American organisations will be able to do so much more. A good example would be GM livestock. Um, you've probably mm -hmm. seen pictures of these grotesque, humongous, megaroidy super cows in America. Um, if you haven't, I'd say pause this for a second. Google American steroid cow. Go to images um, and say hello to the new occupier of your nightmares. These things are fucking petrifying. Um, anyway, under uh, TTIP, an American organization would be allowed to sell the meat from these beef demons and even farm those muscle-bound bastards right here in the UK, as the US don't have the same bans on GM foods uh, as we do. And it's not just roid rage cattle. Uh, there are a host of other things to get all panicky over with TTIP. Essentially... If it's legal for an American corporation to do something in America, and bearing in mind that everything is legal for an American corporation to do in America, they would be allowed to do it in the EU. But somehow, this gets even fucking worse. Um, not only will they be able to bypass those pesky European laws, you know, those stupid ones that protect us from getting killed at work and stop us eating cows that look like Brock Lesnar and the Incredible Hulk's freakish love child. Um, they will also have the power under TTIP to sue the EU state for loss of earnings should any of these pesky rules even attempt to bite them in the arse. Um, so just think about that for a, for a second. If you wanted to exercise your right to know if you're being fed a roided up cow that could bench press a house or, or seek, seek a compensation for losing your arm at work because you were forced to work in unsafe conditions. If that causes any discomfort for the organisation in question, they would have the right to sue the government for upholding its laws. They've they found a way to make the law illegal. Um, it's a plan so nefarious that it sounds as though it's been lifted from the playbook of Dr. Evil. 
Uh, now, in addition to the bypassing of laws, the desecration of rights, and the ability to sue any government with the chachones to even try and get in a corporation's way, it's also feared that it will mean the loss of millions of European jobs due to the lower minimum wage and reduced pesky workers' rights in America, meaning a lot of working-class Europeans being replaced by working-class Americans. But other than a slight reduction in labour costs for big EU business, what exactly is in this for Europe? Surely that the European Union is bonkers for even considering this, and we should absolutely leave the EU at the referendum and stay clear of the whole sorry mess. Well, unfortunately, it might not be as easy as that. We play a significant part in this deal. And whether we're in the EU or not, if something like this goes ahead, it pretty much goes ahead with Britain. But why? I, uh, I hear you asking. Well, <laughs> surprisingly, uh, it's to the benefit of those cheeky city bankers, the little rascals. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello. Yes. We're back. <laughs> bankers. The ubiquitously hated greed machines are at it once again. Now, one area, and this is literally the only area of American business where they have tighter regulations than us, is finance. Following the uh, the economic meltdown in 2008, US banks were put under some severe regulations, but TTIP would allow our brave financial buccaneers to ransack the American financial system mm-hmm. under our more relaxed and morally ambiguous rules. Um... Thankfully, though, documents leaked this week have brought to light some big European opposition to the proposed trade agreement, and as the the outrage and opposition around this grows, it does look less and less likely that TTIP in its current form will actually happen. But, But for me, the really, the truly kind of actual scary thing about this is... Um, it's not just the fact that it's a horrifically scary plan of cliched dystopian corporation terror. Um, it's the fact that they actually hatched it, but this one's real. (laughs) This one's tangible, you can touch it. And quite frankly, I'm shitting my pants a little bit because I can't help but feel if TTIP or or something very similar to TTIP is what these guys really want, one way or another, it's what they're going to have. Um, and that's the Moss Report this week. Whoa. Bleak and scary. Yeah, it's, it's a very, it's a Oof. very sort of insidious. Yeah. Uh, agreement this one, and and it's 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 more. I think it goes. It's worse than simply um, companies not, you oh. know, having to abide by just their yeah, home it's far jurisdiction. Worse. It's, it's actually worse than that because that is it. It's, there's, go and look I into mean, this, everybody. Well, they go. They're going into. They've got what's called a regulatory convergence agenda. So they'll actually be. Um, you know the laws in these areas in our respective countries will change to co- yeah. to, to converge. You know, so it's not just that. Um, yeah, not just like know, within a company can like do a, what it's like within its four walls. It's within the nation that company is in. That, that whole you know that and it will set a precedent therefore for for companies that you know new companies from those countries you know following the the, the more relaxed rules and um, you know before you know it you've just got a culture of doing that. So yeah. it's it's a very worrying thing and it's almost this kind of. As you meant, as you really, you know, you pointed out, like the the one area where we're more relaxed is is finance mm. than, than they are, as, as so it seems, and it's quite a cynical union of people across the yeah. world. It's it's, it's, it's like together. An, it's like an exchanging of of all of the the kind of worst douchies. parts and, and the shittiest Just... parts of of society and and big business. It's it's like a, a douche trade off. It's... You know, you, dare, dare I say it, Paul? It's capital. It's capital conversion. <laughs> you know, in a sort of very, like, global yeah. sort of red, red, <laughs> red terror. You know, type way. I mean, it, this is yeah, it's pretty bad. 
Uh, I don't know uh, what's going to happen to it. You're right though, that it's not necessarily been agreed in its current form. Mm. I think there was a little bit more pushback today uh, because of um, the, the Americans, I think, were asking for something or giving concessions in respect of the motor industry mm. or something, but were asking for, for too much in, in respect of other things. The, the area that I, I'm most afraid about, though, is probably the food. Yeah, but this is um, is a genuine worry. It, it, and and in, in America, um, about 70% of foods sold in supermarkets that have had some sort of processing mm-hmm. contain genetically modified ingredients. That's it. Well, the, the way the laws work um, in, in like here in America, so in Europe, something is illegal until it's proven safe, whereas in the States it works the other way around. Something is legal until it's proven dangerous. So and, and also, you can just I mean, have anything in there. And, and But but it's, it's I think you know the the sheer fact is it's like if you've got set you've got the you know the difference is as stark as in america you've got a situation where 70 percent of food is essentially gm mm. to an extent whereas in the eu there is there is virtually there are virtually no gm yeah. ingredients i mean there are very 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 few and so i mean as a percentage of uh, total food on the shelves i mean it's got to be something really minuscule mm. compared to 70 percent i mean and that that the fact that that would would change rather rapidly that that does worry yeah. me because that that in addition to just um what what that would do to our diets and all of that it's what that does to the environment because it's that kind of aggressive mm-hmm. gm type agriculture which is ap- absolutely destroying the planet and and um you know i'd hate to see that exported anymore yeah. into europe and into into britain and all the rest of it it's it's a shock and the trouble is i mean the reason why they do gm foods is is to make uh, cows grow quicker so they can you know herd quicker they can have more herds they they can kill more raise graze more but ultimately may have more produce and sell cheaper than their competition and, and dominate markets money always wins out so and it sounds and it's, massively it, sad but it's kind of true so and it's also just it's it sucks because the food tastes awful yeah. like you know just a cow that's that big or a mm. chicken that's bigger than a bear <laughs> And a cow is bigger than an elephant and stuff. When you eat the meat, it, it, it's clear that it's just, you know, it's just an animal that's been fed with chemicals such that it mm. just retains more water yep. than it otherwise would. So the meat just tastes of nothing, mm-hmm. just water. You know, like there's no flavor in it. And and yet people just, you know, stack it high, you know, head it, head it out cheap. That's and, it, yeah, know, it's stack just it garbage. high and sell it I mean, cheap. And sell it cheap. Yeah, to hell with the consequences. And, and you can guarantee that the guys who are meeting in these kind of darkened rooms and putting these deals together <laughs> are sitting down and eating quality beef. You know, they're not eating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know I mean, it's not a sirloin a la steroid, but they're kind of chowing no. down on it. So. Yeah. Organic, yeah. corn-fed <laughs> No, no, it's a, it is a worrying, worrying development. It is, it is indeed. T-tip. Yeah, look, look into it, kids. It. Look into it. Go out and find out. Go and find out about it and stop it if you can. Now. Me and Paul have tried. Yeah, that's, we've done our bit. <laughs> done our bit. <laughs> this is Radio Cardigan, and you're listening to Afternoon Coffee with Daniel Buttersnatch. Um, let's go to our first caller on line one. We have Oswald from Gipley Under Match. Hello, Oswald. Hello. 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 Hello, Daniel. And what topic would you like to discuss over coffee today? I'd, I'd, I'd like to talk about leaving the EU, Daniel, mm-hmm. uh, and what it would do for the people of Ghibli Underman. Yeah, yeah. Okay, shoot us. Let's dish. Okay. Well, well, I think we should leave. Um, okay. I'm, I mean, I'm sick and tired of being 
pushed around by a bunch of French mm-hmm. and Germans. It's like being in a bar at the bloody Algarve. Yeah, yeah, sure. Oswald, go on, go on. Myself, and I, and I would have thought most of the fine people of Ghibli under Madge will firmly yep. be voting to leave. It's about time we made this great country great again. Everyone loves Great Britain, right? Good old Blighty. Speaking of which, Blighty Blues Classics this evening features a 20-minute Chris Rea medley. Be sure to tune into that. Oswald, you were saying. Well, when, when I grew up, my father would sit and show me the portion of the map that us, Brits, controlled. Now we are but a tiny speck and the EU will swallow us up if we aren't careful. You think so, Oz? Okay, you are listening to Radio Cardigan. News and music that's comfortable and warm. Yes, I think so. I'm certain if we stay, the only bread at the Gipley Bakers will be baguettes and pumpernickel. The only pints pulled at the child molester's arms will be artois and pilsenflangens. And the food at the Gipley local shop will be cheese and sausages. Those blasted Franco-Germans won't stop until there's nothing left of Blighty. Sweet green... We do not want that. Up next is Drive Time with Baz Bananaman. We don't need them, Daniel. Not us. Not us in Ghibli mm-hmm. under match. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. were great once and we can be great again. I like your optimism, Oz. Uh, I mean, sure. We don't make anything that people want anymore. We don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That military is now dwarfed by many of the countries we once ruled over. Okay, okay, I see, and, I see. You know, natural resources that people really need. We have to import mm-hmm. pretty much everything that we need. Yep, that's true. That's true. Well, I suppose the list of countries we have pissed off that oh. we would subsequently need to look to for favours is, well, it's longer than the list of people that filleted Russell Brand in 2015. Right, right. But, still, we don't need them. Why, well, just last week at the Gipley Village Hall... The Women's Institute raised uh, Women's Institute's thirteenth annual art fair raised an eye-watering ninety-four pounds of revenue. Wow, wow! I mean, that is eye-watering in a way. Uh... And, and and most importantly, seven of those pounds were spent by Mrs. Patel, the wife of a local local doctor. Here you mm-hmm. have a brilliant example of the sort of trade with our former colonial partners that will make us great again. As long as they don't come and live here after they give us their money. I like your passion, Oswald. Um, Oswald, to follow their passion, always tend to make a difference. Thank you, Daniel. And I think that you'll find that that passion is to be very typical of all of us at the Ghibli Conservatives, which is why we are holding a Brexit fate in Country Fair this weekend mm-hmm. to encourage people to vote leave. There'll be a display of, by local farmers, a tent run by the local fire brigade, Splat the Rat, you know, Tumbola. And a vintage pornography VH tapes on sale, and and much, much more. That sounds absolutely magical, Oswald. Well, we have run out of time for today, but uh, before we go, Oswald, would you like to request a song? Well, well, that would be lovely. How about... Oh, I know. How about It's Raining Men by... Sport, sport, uh, douchebag sportsman of the week, Paul. Oh, douchebag sportsman of the week this week is Manchester City midfielder Yaya Toure. <laughs> Toure, who was subbed off in his size yeah, one nil Champions League semi final defeat to Real Madrid following a dire performance. I don't know if you saw this. Um, the Ivorian midfielder, recipient of a £220,000 a week wage packet and regular media courting crybaby. Uh, made zero <laughs> interceptions during his time on the pitch and just one attempt at a tackle. 
as his side limped out of the competition, flumping their best opportunity to reach the Champions League final for the mm. first time. I mean, that's you know, he, he, he is a douchebag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the guy, when people use the phrase like mercenary footballer and journeyman and stuff like that, he fits that bill so well. You just... You get the impression that guy doesn't give a shit about anything other than himself. Do you remember, was it at the end of last season? Or I think the season before, uh, when they'd won the league, and he kicked up because he didn't get a bloody birthday cake. Yeah, I think... And he was um, like, no, that's it, I'm, I'm leaving. What a I shit think it was almost guy. even worse than that. It was, uh, he... Um, so there, there was one time that he, he complained because um, he, someone else, another footballer, was given a um bugatti by so roberto carlos who played for a team called anzi mm. which are a yeah, bizarre yeah, yeah. team from dagestan the region in russia but they're owned mm. by you know one of these crazy sort of natural yeah, resource yeah, I, know, oligarchs, uh, I know the anzi the anzi boys and uh for <laughs> roberto carlos playing for them obviously on you know ridiculous wages albeit that he was at the end of his career um mm. he on his birthday he was given a two hundred fifty thousand dollar bugatti veyron by sure. the owner of anzi and uh you know Yaya Toure complained about the fact that when he when it was his his birthday um, at Man City, no one gave him anything. Or if they did, it was, you know, I don't know, like some <laughs> W.A. Smith vouchers or whatever. He didn't get a Bugatti Veyron. And you're just like, you toss her. I mean, how much? He's such an entitled guy. And £220,000 yeah. a week is a- yeah. astonishing. He could literally, he could literally buy uh, a Bugatti Veyron and have plenty of change every week. It, he's just um, completely... That's insane. You know, he, and he also, he, yeah, he just has a habit of complaining to the media about being underappreciated and things like that. And I think everyone recognises what an amazing footballer he is. I mean, he's such yeah, like, yep. a, you know, he is really one of the best in the world in his position. There's, there's yeah. no denying that. And I think that most people, Definitely. if they were putting together a team of Premier League players, you know, if you took, you know, the best 11, you know, when they're playing their best, you know, a lot of people would probably have to Yaya Toure in there. Uh, perhaps yeah. not on his form this season, but you know, at a more general no, level. No, but of previous, you'd certainly have him on the yeah, bench, but... coming on for like a last twenty minutes or something. Exactly, but you know? in this start, you know, like in this game, like Man City as well. I mean, I saw a little bit yeah. of that game. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not a huge City fan. <laughs> I don't, I don't like them very much. <laughs> but um, it, they, this was their first, you know, an opportunity to yeah. get to the Champions League final for the first time. Which is pretty rubbish, really, given the fact that they've had so much money sloshing about well, for a now. They've had a good few cracks at it now, haven't they? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's been a good long while now. And they've never they've got been... to the. Uh, they've never got to the final. This is their first time, and all they needed was a draw. A one-all draw mm. would have got them to the final. A one-all draw at Real Madrid would have got them to the final, mm-hmm. and they couldn't do it. They couldn't. You know, they went one nil down, and they just they just went to sleep. They just. I mean, it wasn't even. That, it was not even a case of going into their shell. They went into their shell, and there they hibernated and completely yeah. unplugged their phone and everything. It was just rubbish. And for for Yaya Torre, I don't know how long he was on the pitch for. I think it was like sixty minutes or something. To mm. to make one attempt at a tackle, it's shocking. I mean, it's shameful. It is. And to be fair to Yaya Torre, you know, you can make the excuse in those situations that, come on, this is Champions League, it's a big stage, it's Real Madrid. But he's Yaya Torre. He's won premierships. He's won La Liga with Barcelona. He's played and probably scored um, at Real Madrid. He's got no excuse at all. It's, it's just, he wasn't up for it. Didn't care, didn't play. I think he's scum. And definite douchebag sportsman for <laughs> Absol- me this week. Totes douche. Um, Totes douche. Unlucky yeah. bastard of the week, Paul. Is Ooh, uh, a slightly <laughs> less known, lesser lesser known candidate, I suppose. Um, yeah, it's this week. It's RB Leipzig uh, coach yeah. Ralf Rangnick. 
who managed to injure himself whilst running to avoid a beer shower as he and his players celebrated winning promotion to the German Bundesliga. Um, after <laughs> what a German way to get it's such to a, get so the pictures. If you, uh, but this is another one that perhaps you, you know if you're watching it, if you're listening to this, please please search this one up on the internet. Cause there's some quite funny pictures. Um, after Leipzig, uh, Leipzig beat Karlsruhe. Uh, Rangnick uh, joined his players on the pitch for celebrations and appeared to aggressively pull a hamstring whilst running away from the camp clutches of David Zelka, who chased after the coach, giggling and holding a glass of beer. Um, you know, it, 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 it's just such a funny way to get you because he's—it's it's the equivalent of being, you know, in a, in a shower in, in a locker room and a guy like. You know, swirling up his towel and like running after you to spank your bum, and you put you, know, you pull a muscle because he's he's done that. And you to aggressively you. pull a hamstring. Yeah, this is he's aggressive, but um, yeah, unfortunate for Ralph Rangnick. But well done to RB Leipzig. They yeah, been promoted to the German Bundesliga. Yeah, good on him. Well done. Good lads. on him. Um, I know what you're thinking, Paul. Yeah, we'll a little bit of football talk. Of course we have. I know what you're thinking. What's Martin yeah. Keown been up to? Do you know that? Um, <laughs> not much this week, unfortunately. Week three of Keown Watch. <laughs> yeah, week three of Keown Watch. <laughs> it's not, it might be the last one, to be honest, mate, because it's... Um... <laughs> He hasn't done. He's drying much. up. He hasn't done. It's much. nearly. It's nearly. Um, he's got. Right, a, I found out he's got. A, he's got a column, a regular sort of question and answer column at the Daily Mail, um, that called Tackle Keo. Right. Um, <laughs> and on Twitter, there's all of these sort of like hashtags, Tackle Keo, and um, it's just you know like sometimes on Twitter like a hashtag gets hijacked for, yeah, for yeah, a different yeah. purpose. That one is just crying out to be done. You know like yeah. people just you know tweeting pictures of their knobs and stuff with tackle keo or something it just why nice. can't why can't people get behind it can we put can we put a public share let's try and do that people listening to this if anyone listening to this um, wants to hijack yeah. tackle keo we are open Hashtag. to suggestions we would love to hear yeah. from you please email us at the crystal digest at gmail.com we would love to hear from you if you want to hijack the tackle keo hashtag please let us know um and i don't know Keon's twitter handle but i imagine it's easy to find and hijack do you know what if you've if you've got the feeling to you know, yeah. Have a quick dick pic and just send it to Keown. Hashtag tackle Keown. Why not? Why don't not? hold back. Don't hold I'm back. not saying do it, but I'm not saying don't do it. Exactly. Which legally means mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> he he was sort of like he's been um, he's been he's been talking about fighting and sort of fighting and goading and goading. It's all and... about fighting, isn't yeah. it? He's an angry man. He yeah. looks slightly caveman, he's a bit... though, doesn't he? He's got the uh, the oversleeping forehead. <laughs> <laughs> of a caveman, um, but he, but but overall he's been quite he's been a bit more balanced. He sort of was so, he was kind of simultaneously praising Chelsea. He's always at Chelsea. Chelsea, yeah, good man. Praising good Chelsea man. for kind of winding Tottenham up, but also saying no, they shouldn't be winding Tottenham up. And you're like, yeah, that's that's the kind of that's the kind of insight we 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 hope we expect from you, Martin. But thank, that's well, that's for balanced, that. but only in as much sense as that you're no further along the yeah. the problem than you were before he started talking. <laughs> So, <laughs> so that's Martin Kieran, and that's sport this week. Um, and what a week. that's almost the end of the show. I think we've got time. Time if we do, yeah, for a little audio Instagram. Would you reckon? Oh yes, just a little what one. What I live for. Um, what I live for. This week's audio Instagram is a picture of David Cameron, Prime Minister. Instagram picture of himself wearing a West Ham shirt, holding up a placard which reads, "Come on, Leicester," um, <laughs> telling us, showing us really just in picture form. He's a man of the people. He loves football. He, he loves he it, does, mate. He does love the footy. Pie, did you see? Uh, did you see Jeremy Corbyn call him out on here? No, I didn't. What? I didn't. It was amazing. So it was on PMQs on Wednesday. Yeah. And uh, Cameron like gave his little uh, props to Leicester, 
and um, <laughs> that's, that's how we did it, like a, like a street ute. Yeah. And uh, Corbin completely called him on his uh, on his football hash. He was like, uh, "So uh, is it Leicester you're supporting this week? Are you back just down to uh, West Ham and Villa?" <laughs> oh, Ooh, burn! Drop him, bombs, fam. Burn. Man's was crazy about that. Yeah. Two hundred days in Parliament and Shkaboom. Corbin has finally come up with a burn. That's yeah, like, zinged yeah, it. One zinged burn. it. That's not a very good burn rate, but still. Yeah, but he's done it. He's, done he's got one. there eventually. <laughs> yeah. He's got there. He's got there eventually. And a bless, bless Corbin. You know he's not particularly in the in the midst of of this in people. So he put like the most meek kind of uh, Twitter post. Was like, well, I couldn't let him get away with this one. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, hashtag top bands, mate. Yeah. Hashtag only kidding. <laughs> You're all right, yeah. really. I just hope I just hope it didn't hurt his feelings. Yeah. I, mean, I disagree with him politically, but as a man, I can't judge him. Uh, uh, I think the um, obviously there were local elections this week, weren't there? I mean, there were sort of oh, elections were. town councils, and, and um, there's been a bit of a recovery, a Labour recovery, as you would probably expect. Yeah, given, it's been um, been better than they had feared. Yeah, yeah, uh, but I suppose it's what you would expect. Even the you know the Lib Dems had a slight recovery as well, but it's no, what you would expect. Only one way up from yeah, from the bottom, exactly. isn't it? And it's and it's the same for both. <laughs> both parties in the sense of mm. you know if you are in opposition that that tends to be the way but um i, I think that most the, the sort of prevailing message that seems to come out of voters of, of the two leaders of the main two parties uh, or or at least prospective leaders is that say like george osborne is just slimy and untrustworthy and jeremy corbyn is just scruffy and a bit shit um <laughs> so it's kind of uh the elections have once again oh. shown us that Maybe it's best not to. The democracy is just really like the most <laughs> ill thought out thing. Yeah, democracy is all well and good, but it, it really does depend on the choices. <laughs> just <laughs> you, you know, just, just if it, it's such a sad, sad truth, but like the pointlessness of democracy is borne out by the very simple metaphor, which is that if you had a household of parents and like loads of kids. And every decision of that household was made democratically, taking into account the votes of the kids. Yes. How ridiculous would that situation be? Well, unfortunately, uh, even in the in the awful. grand sense of actual politics, it's really not that different. <laughs> and uh, it's yeah. And a quick parenting tip: kid, your kids will try and do that. Uh, yeah, they you. will. You need to you need to take the the stance of a dystopian oppressor. Exactly. Rule with an iron fist. Yeah, this is true. Unless you're from the social services, in which case I don't. <laughs> it's just just a turn of phrase. Right. Um, well, that brings us to a close this week. There we are. Um, there please, we are. please tune in next week, and please follow please us on do. Twitter at Crystal Digest. Please check us out on SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com, the hyphen Gristle hyphen Digest. Uh, we're on YouTube as well. Search the Gristle Digest. For Leicester fans, we're on Sound Claudio. <laughs> Sound Claudio. <laughs> Um, and yeah we'll be out on iTunes as normal Stitch Radio uh, and you can find us on any other thing I think there's some other podcast ones that are on too but yeah please tune in just either type or shout Gristle Digest at your computer and please email us like do email us at thegristledigest at gmail.com with any comments or suggestions that you might have because we'll be very I'd love to hear your uh, your thoughts you know your opinions of the show and your your unfettered internet hatred please unfetter it Come on, yeah. I'm federal, we're all friends. Exactly. Well, thank you very much. Goodbye from me. And uh, a cheery goodbye from myself. We're all